Hello, Creek Church. I'm so honored to preach for you today. I want to thank Pastor Trevor for inviting me. Uh, Trevor and Allison, I love you so much. You're such great friends of La Chapelle. And I want to thank you all for partnering with us in Montreal. With your help, in the last six years, we have planted three churches, and we're going to plant two more churches in the next 18 months because of your partnership with us. So thank you so, mu so much for helping us preaching the gospel and planting churches in Canada. My title today is Walking with God. Have you ever felt that things are going too fast, that you are out of breath? For thousands of years, our relationship with time didn't change. But 150 years ago, things begin to get faster. And I think it began with 1879 when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Things begin to get faster. And then in the 60s, we saw the appearance of those little stores opens on nights and weekends called 7-Eleven. And life get faster. In the 80s, uh, most stores begin to open on Sundays. And in one generation, we went from Sunday as a day of rest and worship to a day we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like, and life get faster. And then, 2007, Steve Jobs launched the iPhone. This thing screaming for our attention 24-7, and life get faster, faster, and faster. But the question is, what is the effect of this frenetic speed on our souls? I'm not here today to argue for a return to a pre-digital age, but I believe that COVID-19 crisis is an opportunity for us to recalibrate in some things in our lives. You see, the problem to go fast and fast and faster is that we may go faster than God. What is the speed of God? One of the metaphors the Bible uses for spirituality is walking with God. And the first verse in the Bible about this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The Hebrew language here suggests that it was something uh, every day. It was a habit. Adam and Eve were walking with God every day. The God of the Bible is a walking God. But sadly, the fall of men changed everything. Sin and death enter into the world, and Adam and Eve were forbidden to enter in the garden, and walking with God was over. Now, if you fast forward in Genesis chapter 5, you have the descendant of Adam. And if you go through the whole genealogy, you'll discover a pattern. Is this. He lived, he begotten, he died. Adam, he lived, begotten, died. Seth, he lived, begotten, died. Kenan, he lived, he begotten, and he died. And for six generations, you see this pattern. For, but the seventh generation was different. Genesis 5, verse 23. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. 
Enoch was really special because Enoch is breaking the cycle of he lived, he begotten, he died because Enoch don't die. And the reason he don't die is because he was walking with God. Fast forward a couple chapters. The earth is filled with corruption and violence. And in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. The author of Genesis here is saying something significant. He's saying it is possible to walk with God in a perverted and corrupted generation. Fast forward, Genesis 48, it talks about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph who walked with God. The book of Leviticus reveals Yahweh as a God who wants to walk with his people. The story the Old Testament tell us is that God wants to walk with his people, but the problem is the people don't always want to walk with God. So God sent them leaders, Moses, judges, kings, prophets, and they urged Israel to walk with God, but they pretty much failed. And then showed up on the scene a subversive rabbi of the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and he invite people to follow him and to walk with God. Jesus came to teach us how to walk with God, but more than that, Jesus was also God himself walking with us. In the Gospel of Luke, after the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus came with some disciples, Luke 24, 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them. Luke is saying something significant, big here. Luke is saying Jesus came to establish the walk with God that the serpent had broken in Eden. And after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' disciples and apostles teach people how to walk with God. They talk about walking in faith, walking in the Spirit, because the God of the Bible is a walking God. Now, I know there's some passages of scriptures that exhort us to run. And by the Bible, use often that metaphor to talk about uh, perseverance. But there is more passages of scriptures that urge us to walk with God than to run with God. In fact, in scriptures, it's rare that we see God running. One of the few exceptions is in the parable of the prodigal son, when the father runs toward his son. But most of the time, the God of the Bible is a walking God. God wants you to walk with him. And the enemy of your soul will try everything he can to avoid you to walk with God. And here are the two main obstacles in our day, my opinion, to walk with God. The first one is this, being in a hurry. Being in a hurry. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. 
We live in a culture of hurry and busy. We live in a culture that runs all the time. And if you're running all the time, you may go faster than God. Walter Adam said this, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer. Wow. Have you ever looked a two-year-old child always running from the kitchen to the living room, from the couch uh, to the kitchen, always running? In fact, all r always running is a symptom, a symptom of immaturity. And in our culture, let me tell you, Satan don't show up with horns and a fork. In our culture today, Satan show up as a notice on your iPhone while you are praying. He showed up at the frenzy of watching Netflix for a whole weekend. He showed up as the dopamine of another YouTube video, or he showed up as workalism. Last year, I realized that when people were asking me, how are you doing, my answer was always busy, <laughs> busy all the time. And I was like, this is a problem. I cannot be always busy. And the problem is not to be busy. It's good to be busy. The problem is to be busy all the time, too much busy. When COVID-19 crisis hit, Uh, in our team, we were working like crazy. It was so demanding on us as a team. And after a couple weeks, I called a day of fast and prayer. And some team members told me, Pastor, we don't have time for this. And I said, you're right. <laughs> But we need to remember ourselves. We are not human doings. We are human beings. Have you noticed how Jesus was never in a hurry? In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, and he stopped for a woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years because Jesus is never in a hurry. In John 11, uh, Lazarus is sick, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, send a messenger to Jesus to ask him to come and heal their brother, and when he heard the message, Jesus stayed where he was for two days because Jesus is never in a hurry. Now, I'm not saying there's no space in our lives for hurry. There is some 911 moments, okay? If you're pregnant, woman, your pregnant wife, break water, you need to hurry up. <laughs> If your two-year-old child is in the street, you need to hurry up. But the problem is that we are always in a hurry. Corrie Ten Boone said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Why? Because to be always busy, disconnect us from God, from others, and from our own soul. And this is one of the reasons why we're so anxious in our culture, stressed out and burned out. We need a slow down spirituality. Carl Jung, the famous psychologist, said this, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Now, as Bible believers, we know this is not completely true. But we know this is not completely false. In fact, 
Always being in a hurry is anti-Christian. Think about this. What is the greatest value in the kingdom of God? It's love. Jesus was crystal clear on this. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God from all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbors as yourself. But love costs some times. My worst moments as a husband, as a friend, as a father, as a pastor, were the moments I was in a hurry. When I'm late, when I put too much things on my to-do list and it's unrealistic, when I'm stressed out, and this is exactly the same for you. If you don't believe me, look how you treat your kids and wife when you're late and you have to leave home to go to church. Is it a loving attitude? I don't think so. <laughs> There's a Japanese author, Kosuke Koyama, and he wrote a book, Three Miles an Hour God, and listen to what he said. God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. In his definition of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the apostle Paul said, love is patient. So I think this is one of the reasons there's more passages of scriptures that urge us to walk with God than run with God. Because the truth is you cannot experience God's love, joy, and peace if you are in a hurry. We cannot abide in the kingdom of God if we are in a hurry. Because hurry kills love, joy, gratitude, spirituality, health, marriage. It kills creativity. It kills our relationship with others, and it kills our relationship with God. So many people don't feel God's presence in their lives, and they think God is absent. But what if? What if God is present, it's present and it's us that are not? We need to slow down. And everybody I know want to do this. Everybody wants to slow down. But so few people can do it. Why? Because to slow down, you need to renounce. To slow down, you need to renounce. You cannot slow down if you don't renounce something, some leisure, activity, project, traveling, money, promotion. I heard a pastor gave his testimony and he was talking about uh, his uh, experience with burned out. He, he was burned out. He, he was done. And he said he had to learn to slow down. And he said the only way to slow down in our lives is to renounce. And for him, it was to renounce some books, some conferences, some influence. He even said, I had to renounce 
to the idea of having a bigger church because what profits a man to gain the whole world if he lost his soul? We need a slow down spirituality. We need to walk with God. Now, first obstacle to walk with God in our day, being in a hurry. But what's the second one? In the 70s, there's a guy named Peter Jenkins, and he wrote a book uh, called A Walk Across America. And in this book, he shared his experience as he walked 5,000 miles across the United States in six years. And he's been through everything, blizzards, deserts, mountains. He was attacked by animals. He was hit by a car, bite by a serpent. He was victim of thieves. And in an interview, they asked him, did you have moments that you wanted to quit? And he said, yes, I had several moments. And they asked, what is the thing that made you almost quit? And he surprised everybody with his answer because he said, the thing that made me almost quit was the sand in my shoes. We don't expect that. <laughs> the first thing, the first obstacle to walk with God is being in a hurry. The second one is the sand in our shoes. Sand is a small thing. Sand seems insignificant. But sand is so abrasive. It's just little sand. It's just a little wound. Disappointment. Discouragement. Jealousy. Bitterness. It's just a little thought. Or lost. Or flirt. Or look on porn. Or an inappropriate text message. It seems so insignificant. It's just little sand in our shoes, but it affects our walk with God. I got a friend, and uh, a couple weeks ago, she looked at her two-year-old, and she saw he had a hard time to walk. So she began to examine him, and nothing seems to, no, no problem, no apparent problem was there, but she removed his shoes, and she discovered that his shoes were full of sand. If you have sand in your shoes, it will affect your walk with God. When some Christians are acting crazy, you know, kind of things like adultery, leave their family, or got addicted to something, it seems that it happened like this. But let me tell you, it never happen like this. These people had sand in their shoes and they didn't deal with it. What is the sand in your shoes today? What is the sand is in your shoes? Have you noticed that it's so hard to remove sand on our feet when we go to the beach, you try to clean your feet from sand the moment you did it, other sand stick on your feet. It's so hard to clean our feet. But here's the good, fantastic, gigantic news. Jesus never expected you to wash your own feet. 
In John chapter 13, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And Peter, full of pride, is saying, no, you won't wash my feet. But Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, Peter, you will have no part with me. So Peter answered, okay, not only the feet, Lord, but the whole head. And Jesus told him, Peter, you don't need me to wash you all over. You're already clean. What you need is that I wash your feet. What you need is that every day, the, the dirt that sticks, stuck in your feet, that stick to your feet, you need to let me clean that dirt. When you're in Christ, you have been cleaned. You have been washed. You don't need to be completely cleaned again. What you need is to let daily the Lord Jesus Christ clean your feet. Do you have sand in your shoes? Jesus said, come to me. I will clean you. Are you stressed out? Anxious, weary, depressed, disappointed? Are you lonely? Jesus said, come to me. I will wash your feet. Are you addict, lossful? Are you on porn? Jesus said, come to me. Let me wash your feet. Jesus never expected you to wash your own feet. You cannot do it anyway. Come to him and let him wash your feet. I think COVID-19 is an opportunity to come to the Lord let him clean our feet from every sand. And it's an opportunity to slow down, to have a new speed, the speed of God, the speed of love. Let me pray for you. Oh God, we want to walk with you. We want to walk with Jesus because we know there's so much life in this. And sometimes we're looking for life. But we have so much sand on our shoes, in our shoes. Sometimes we want to live, but we're going so fast. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to walk with you, to slow down to let you clean our feet so that this crisis will have a positive effect on our spirituality and on our walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Creek Church, love you so much. Can't wait to be with you soon. Bye-bye.